Genesis chapter 42. Genesis 42, and we're just going to have to read uh, quite a bit of the passage. We're going to read Genesis 42, 1 through 28. Thanks. And um, so I'll begin. Verse 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. So remember, uh, Joseph is there, and they don't know Joseph's alive. Joseph has provided Egypt and the world with enough extra food because he stored up while everyone else was just not thinking or not realizing what was going to happen. So now, an interesting scenario takes place where all of a sudden the ten brothers that sold him into Egypt now have to go to Egypt, and unbeknownst to them, they have to buy food from their brother, not even knowing it's their brother. Verse 3, And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, his youngest, littlest brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. Benjamin was younger than Joseph and was not involved in the whole mess. Verse 5, And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. And said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said to them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. And, and one is not. It's kind of interesting, and uh, it's kind of interesting that Joseph didn't say, what do you mean one is not? What happened to him? He just let that go, because the one is not is him. Verse 14, Joseph said unto them, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, ye are spies. Hereby you shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. You say you've got a younger brother back at home? I want to see him. So verse 16, send one of you, and let him fetch your brother. And ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said to them the third day, This do, and live, for I fear God. After three days he had a change of heart, change of mind. He said in verse 19, If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. So he said, I've, I'm going to change my plan. Instead of keeping all of you here and sending one home, I'm going to keep one here and send all of you home. Probably Joseph realized, you know, there's people counting on that food, and they need to get that food home. And so I'm just going to keep one of you in the prison and send the rest of you home, but you just mark it down. You need to bring back that younger brother if you want me to release your brother out of prison and if you want any more food 
And, of course, what, what is Joseph doing? He wants to find out if Benjamin's really alive. He wants to know if they did to Benjamin what they did to him. And uh, he wants to know if they're being honest. In verse 21, and they said one to another. Now, they said it in Hebrew. He's speaking to them in Egyptian. And in Hebrew, they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul back there in chapter 37 when they threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. When he besought us, and we would not hear, no doubt he was pleading with them and begging with them and yelling up, up to them from the pit. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben, the oldest, answered them, saying, Speak, not, I, speak I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Reuben wanted to deliver Joseph, but he wasn't man enough to stand up to his brothers. But he did whine about it. He was hoping that to save Joseph alive. And of course, that originally they wanted to kill him. And eventually, instead of killing him, they sold him. And Reuben says, see what's happened now? Now we're getting paid back. Now his blood, because they think he's dead by now. His blood is being required. We're reaping what we've sown. Verse 23, and they knew not that Joseph understood them. For he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he spied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is, is restored. And lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? Oh, great. Now they're going to accuse us of stealing the money. What has God done to us? What are we going to do about this? This is, this is bizarre. This man doesn't believe that we're all from the same family. He thinks we're spies. What's going on? God's doing something. So the title, what is this that God hath done unto us? Our God is always at work. He's never on vacation. He's never taking a day off. It's evident that he allows things to happen in our lives to get our attention. There's never anything going on in our life that God isn't aware and didn't already allow it to happen for a purpose. And we see this in this chapter. And as we find the Lord working in the lives of, of his brothers now, Joseph's brothers. So notice in verse 28, what is this that God hath done unto us? They saw God's hand working and they said, why is he allowing us this to happen to us? What is God saying to us? We do not understand, but we know that God is surely in this. This is so bizarre and unusual. God's doing something. And I'm going to tell you something. Whenever bizarre and crazy things happen, Yes, it's bizarre. Yes, it's crazy. But I have to remember, God's doing it. God must be allowing There's This is so unusual. There must be something to this. And I just need to pass the test. I just need to wait and find out what God's trying to do here in my life. Um, before God will use us, he'll make us right with him in all things. No matter how far in the past the sin was committed, there are times in our life where God reminds us of something that maybe never got taken care of. We just never dealt with it. We never dealt with it like we should. And I'm sure all of these men 
especially as they started to have their own children and things like that, I'm, I'm sure all of these men would think about Joseph every once in a while. And maybe in their dreams could hear him cr- crying out to them and screaming and saying, guys, guys, don't do this. And Reuben even says, we could hear him. We could hear him screaming to us. Uh, <clears throat> we, we, he besought us in his anguish of his soul. And I'm sure all of them were haunted by the memory of Joseph and what they had done. And God was dealing with them now. This all was coming back to them. This was over 20 years later that this is all now coming back to them and haunting them. And Joseph's brothers were right. God was working in their lives. He would soon take these brothers and begin to build the great nation of Israel. These 12 brothers were going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. We need to be reminded that God is working in the life of every person. I said it a few weeks ago and I'll say it again. I know God has worked on me in the last five years, the last 10 years, and the last 25 years. But what I forget sometimes is that God is also working on other people. I tend to think of people the last time I talked to them. That's just natural. But I forget that maybe God is working on them like he's working on. And so not only am I changing, but it could be that they're changing too. I'm sure... Joseph was just testing to see if they had changed. We, we need to be reminded that God is working in the life of every person. Do you see the Lord in the circumstances of your life? Do you see what he's doing or why he did what he did? Um, maybe you didn't like the circumstances, but it was really a great outcome because it brought you and crossed paths with you to where you needed to be. I mean, famines aren't good. Why in the world do we have to have a famine? Why isn't God taking care of us? Maybe Jacob is scratching his head. I don't understand why we're having a famine. We have to go to Egypt. That just seems so foreign for us to do that. Why is God allowing a famine? Oh, now he, he's going to find out why God's allowing a famine. So that he could find his son again. These young men, why is this happening? Because God wants to teach you something. You may see him at work or you may not see him at work. But whether you see him at work or not, he is at work. And he is working on the life of every person. And we praise God for it. So we can praise God that he deals with us in love. When we think of this question, what is this that God hath done unto us? Sometimes you'll see it, maybe you see it in a movie or you'll see somebody say it. Why me, God? That's a really disrespectful and lousy thing to say because God is God. And we might not understand why. But we need to recognize that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so people who get mad at God shame on them no matter what he's allowed in their life no matter how painful or how wrong it might seem to them he loves humankind he's not willing that anyone perish but that all should come to repentance in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 it says or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I don't understand why, if God's really God, why do I have to be in pain and misery? Well, he could have just annihilated you immediately and you could be in hell right now. But the fact that you're still alive and conscious means that he's trying to get your attention. The goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God loves people. He loves people more than you and I love people. We must establish this fact firmly in our thinking. Sometimes we think that God has forsaken us or that he is seeking to harm us. Shame on us when we think that. 
when we blame God for something or assume he's trying to hurt us. But we, we must not be blinded to the goodness and love of God. And God's judgments are acts of love. And his spankings and his corrections and his change of plans in our lives are a good thing. They're not a bad thing. They're a good thing for us, and we need to recognize that. And these men, I'm sure, are very agitated. Why does this guy, I mean, we've never done anything to this guy. Oh, yeah, you have. You just don't know you have. we never done anything to this Egyptian guy. All we want to do is buy his food. He's got to accuse us of being a spy, for crying out loud. Who would ever dream we didn't need to bring our driver's license and passport with us to prove we really are all the same brothers? Good grief. You know how long it is to go all the way back to Egypt? And then come all the way back, or go all the way back home, and come back to Egypt. Why in the world's this got to happen? Oh, there's a reason. There's a reason. And God's working it with us and dealing with us because He loves us, and He's working to bring us to Himself. We must also remember that it is God's intention to bring men to Himself. That's His ultimate goal: is to bring men, their hearts, to Him. In Exodus chapter 19. God says that, and it shows it to us. Exodus 19, verse 4. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. God's desire is to bring us to him. That's why he allows things to happen or causes things to happen that are agitating and irritating. He's trying to get us to focus on him. Whatever God is doing in your life, his real purpose is just to bring you to him and cause you to focus on him. That's what these ten brothers are going to find out real soon, is God wants to teach them some things. So, secondly, God causes us to realize our need. In our story, back in Genesis 42, we see in the first few verses, 1 through 5, that God caused Joseph's brothers to realize they have a problem. They have a need. So Genesis 42 and verse 1, they have a need they need food and so joseph says or jacob says you need to go down and you need to buy food for us so that we don't starve and so they went down to buy corn in egypt verse 3 verse 4 but benjamin joseph's brother jacob sent not with his brethren for he said lest peradventure mischief befall him and the sons of israel came to buy corn among those that came for the famine was in the land of canaan and not just egypt it was everywhere so God causes us to realize that we have a need. They had to go to Egypt to buy food. The Lord had allowed this famine and had raised up Joseph to store up food for the days of famine. The Lord was working in all of this. In our world today, we got lots of bad things happening. I mean, there's really bad things happening. Um, it could be World War III pretty soon. I don't know. I know, I know who's in charge, though. I know who's ultimately in charge. I know that God can take all things and work them together for good. And so I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing. Some of you in here are artists, and you can paint well, draw well, some people in our church. But I have never seen anybody paint as well as God can. I never see anybody can design as well as God can. So who am I to decide that God doesn't know what he's doing? You know, um, you might doubt God and someone out there might doubt God, but 
you know, he's God. He's got a universe. He made it. And uh, you and I don't have a universe. We've never made one. God's working in all of this. The sun came out and shone today because he's in charge. And I can trust him. And uh, I, I know that there's evil and there's wickedness and there's rottenness and there's garbage that goes on. But God's still in charge. And he's allowing things to happen to teach us and to cause us to realize some things. To realize our need. The great need of Joseph's brothers was to be right with God. They weren't right with God. What do you think happens after 20 plus years of getting away with selling your brother? <laughs> Guess we got away with it. Dad thinks he's dead. Dad thinks he died of an animal. Or even if dad thinks we might have something to do with it, he can't prove it. We got away with it. No, he didn't. I know that some of us think that there are certain individuals in our world and in our history that got away with stuff. Not true. Uh, I remember as a kid, just as a teenager, my parents explaining something that happened before I think I was even born. I think this politician uh, was drunk and was with some woman wasn't even his wife and drove off into the, I think it was a river, and then swam to shore and went home and left her drowned in the in the car. As far as I know, he got away with it. Can I tell you something? He's not getting away with it. God's still in charge. They don't get away with it. it they, they might get away with it for 20, 30, 50, 100 years, but they don't get away with it for eternity. God is still in charge. And so it is a blessing if God meets you concerning this not getting away with it in this life. <laughs> what a blessing. That means he cares. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, if he doesn't spank you or chastise you, it's because he doesn't care and you're a bastard and not a son. That's what Hebrews says. So if after 20 plus years, all of a sudden, oh, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. You're finally getting your spanking. And it's a good thing because it means that God isn't letting you get away with it. The whom the Lord loves, he chastens, the Bible says and scourges every son. And God needed to deal with these 10 men who were not right with him at the time. And so he was allowing all this to help them to get right with him. And all these things were used of God to bring that to pass. And uh, we need to recognize that God is doing something behind the scenes for a reason. So our memory verse, and I think Joyce quoted it, Psalm 119. Psalm one hundred and nineteen. Psalm one nineteen verse sixty seven. This is the theme verse that I had all my growing up years. Every time my dad left the room or my mom left the room with a paddle in their hand. Anybody know what a paddle is? I'm not talking about a ping pong paddle. I'm talking about a rear end paddle or a belt or in, in, in my case sometimes whatever my dad could grab a hold of or the plastic spoon in the kitchen drawer that just had enough flexibility to really sting and the theme verse of my life back then was before I was afflicted I went astray and you know what's wrong with most kids 
they don't get afflicted enough. That's what's the problem. Oh, that's abuse. That's not abuse. I'll tell you what abuse is, is letting them just do their own thing and never afflicting them. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Don't let your soul spare for his crying. They need to be spanked. A father needs to recognize God as the ultimate example of fatherhood. And God doesn't just let us get away with things. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. And that, that was the theme verse in, in all of my growing up years as I walked around rubbing my rear end <laughs> before I was afflicted. But now I'm obeying. And that's what God's doing here. He's giving these men a good spanking. Allow God to put his finger on your need and what it is. Don't squirm and run. Let him deal with you as he needs to. The box says it's only when we realize we have a need that we're moved to action. These men had gotten lethargic. 20 plus years, who do we say sorry to? You know, they're not going to say sorry to God. They're not right with God. You know, who, who are we going to? So it, it's just their secret that they had to live with. But God is not going to let them just live with it. He's going to deal with it, and he's doing that. And so God causes us to realize our need. And then top of the next page, God reminds us of our deeds. And that's what he did. Genesis chapter 42, we go back there again. And it's just interesting to see what's happening. And Joseph, being a human being, he just wants to know if these guys are sorry for anything. He wants to know what he can expect from these men. And so Genesis 42, we pick it up in verse 6. And Joseph was the governor of the land. And he it was that sold to all the people. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Verse 7, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them. Now, we read that real fast. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them. But if you could show that in a movie, what do you think it would look like? This is the day I've been waiting for. I think by now he figured out the famine's not just here, it's everywhere. Sooner or later, I'm going to have family showing up. And you can just see, he just kind of jolt a little bit and he's, when he recognizes maybe maybe a certain clothing or a certain, maybe just, maybe the eyes or, or something about them, boom, 10 guys, Hebrews from Canaan, it's them. I recognize Reuben. I can see it in his face. There's Judah. There's Simeon. Levi. And he starts to wreck. And you can just see his heart just, this is it. This is it. And then on top of that, he knew them, but he made himself strange to them and spake roughly unto them. But verse 9 says, And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. And I remember the dreams. The first dream back in chapter 37 when he was just a teenager, he said, I dreamed that there was these 10, 10 whatever it was, sheaves. We all were binding sheaves and harvesting and, and my sheaf was bound up, you know, and, and then I dreamed that there was these 10 other sheaves that just bowed down to my sheaf. And of course, he's got 10 brothers, little baby brother, and, and so they're all just staring at him like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's cute. We're all bowing down to you. Yeah. See, that, that that was part of the reason why they didn't like him. He dreamed again that not only that, but then the sun and the moon and ten stars bowed down to him. That was his mom and dad and all his brethren bowed down to him. And Joseph remembers the dreams. It says here in verse number six, 
They came and they did what? They bowed down themselves before him. I, I can't imagine the emotions. I can't imagine all of a sudden the Holy Spirit saying to Joseph, fulfilled. 25 years later, but your dream's coming to pass. And I'm sure the encouragement or just the confidence or the confirmation that God knows what he's doing. At age 17, I'm being sold as a slave. All my growing up years are 17, 18, 19, 25, 28, 29. What is God doing? 30, then taking care of Egypt. And all of a sudden, there he's staring at his 10 brothers bowing down to him. And there's the dream being fulfilled. Wow. Hang on. Be patient. Maybe God's going to take a while. The thing I know about God is he's, he doesn't get old. And he's not worried about time. I get old. I know some of you are getting old. And after a while, it's like, is God ever going to come through? Yeah. But he, he, has a, he has a calendar that's different than mine, and he's just waiting on his timetable. And it doesn't have to be the next 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years. It might be longer. And God's reminding them of their deeds. And so he remembers the dreams, and he says unto them, You are spies. To see the nakedness of the land, are you coming? I don't know exactly what all Joseph was thinking here, but I'm telling you, it worked very well. And we'll look at this for a minute here and think about this. Remember that Joseph had been falsely accused by his brothers. They said, Father sent you to spy on us. Now, I can't say verbatim that that's what they said, but let's go back to chapter 37 and just look at two things in chapter 37. In chapter 37, verse 1 and 2, it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, some of his brothers. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Aha. He tattled. Now, I don't think he was wrong. But whatever they were doing, they were bad boys. And 17-year-old Joseph come back and he says, Dad, I just want to let you know what Simeon and Levi and some of these guys were doing out there. Then, chapter 37, look at verse 14. Jacob says to Joseph, this was the day that he ended up getting sold, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flock, and bring me word again. So now... His dad treats him like a spy. Son, go out and tell me what they're doing and come back and report to me. So in my imagination, and apparently in the imagination of the author that wrote our material, they resented him because he was the spy. He was the goody two-shoes that would come back and tell daddy what the bad boys are doing. Now, I don't think he was wrong. I don't think he was being a tattletale. I think he's just reporting back to dad after maybe after that first incident dad says joseph i want you to tell me when they're doing something so i want to know because i can't trust those 10 they won't tell me the truth they'll they'll cover for each other but i want you to tell me well they all figured that out they didn't like him he was the favorite son so i can't say positively because it doesn't say in chapter 37 but i have this sneaking suspicion that when they tossed him into that pit they said now who are you going to spy on And I think that's part of the reason why maybe now he's saying, you guys are spies. We're not spies. You're spies. 
Now God's allowing them to be accused of spies. He's reminding them of their deeds. I mean, surely we know that he called out from the pit and pleaded with them that he was not their enemy. I'm not trying to spy on you. I was just sent here to check on how you're doing. But they wouldn't listen. And now he acts like that now. We're not spies. Trust us, we're not spies. We're all the same brothers of one man. We're not spies. I don't believe you. You're all going to prison. But after three days, he comes in and says, I'm going to keep one of you, and I'm going to send the rest of you back. So God reminds us of our deeds, and that's when, in the middle of all this, there in Genesis 42, that Reuben says, don't you know we've got this coming to us? Don't you see what's happening here? Look what look what, look what what has happened. God's doing this to us. We, we're, we're paying for what we've done. And they said in verse 21, they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the anguish of his soul. It's interesting how that all of a sudden they're feeling the anguish that he had 20 some years ago. We're in a foreign country. We're prisoners. What's going to happen to us when he besought us and we would not hear and therefore is this distress come upon us and Reuben said, spake not, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child. His blood is required now. This is what's happening. God knows what we have done and causes us to know. We cannot have his blessing if we carry things unconfessed in our lives. Therefore, he reminds us of our deeds. And I don't know about you, but I think there's been times in my life where, for whatever reason, I was reminded of somebody I hadn't thought about for years. And it could be that the Lord's saying, you know, you never really did take care of that. Maybe I need to pick up a phone or write a letter or call or knock on their door and take care of that. Of course, we're forgiven for salvation. But before God wants to use us and make us 12 tribes of Israel, he's got to make sure we're going to be right with him. And so God wants us to return to him. And we see that here. After 25 years, these men are shaken up. And it was as if their sin was catching up with them. And they were talking about what they did to Joseph. And God's holding us guilty for what we've done. <clears throat> so look with me in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Here's what we've got to remember. David said in Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou knowest my thought afar off. Thou compass." my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word in my tongue but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Ever whisper something? Did you know that somebody heard you and recorded it? Jesus said every idle word that men speak. Thou hast beset me behind and before. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to whisper it. You just think it. You know it's my thought afar off, verse 2 says. Thou hast been beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover 
me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, <clears throat> but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. He's got x-ray vision. He just sees everything. There's nothing I can hide from him. He sees it all, and he remembers, and he knows. The Bible tells us that mankind, mankind will stand before God and give an account of themselves and answer according to their works. Now, praise God, there is forgiveness, and there is cleansing, and there's restoration. But for those not saved, it's all going to be brought back up. I can't imagine how horrible that must be. There's no escaping God, for he is everywhere. There's no place to get away from God because he wants you to return to him. And Joseph's brothers said, what is this that God hath done unto us? What is God doing? They recognized God was behind this. This is too unusual. God's doing something. We're finally getting paid for. Now, they don't know it's Joseph. They don't realize how, how great this story is going to become real soon. They just know that God's doing something. What is this that God's done unto us? After 25 years, they could still hear Joseph's voice calling out from that pit. I believe that. I believe that they could still hear him crying and screaming to them and telling them, please don't. You do reap what you sow. And Joseph, I think, on his end, you say, well, Joseph's being kind of mean here. I don't think so. I mean, really, he didn't hurt them. I think he's just testing them. And you know what the biggest test is? I want to see that younger brother. I want to know if he's really alive or if you tossed him into a pit too. I, I, I really want to see him. I want to see my father too. But I don't trust you guys yet, so I'm testing you. And we'll stop there today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to see some more things in our own hearts and minds. Help us to want to be close to you and right with you. Help us to realize what a what a health issue it is and what a spiritual issue it is when we try to keep suppressing something that we know we're not right about. So help us to deal with it. Help us to just allow it to just be brought out and deal with it and allow you to cleanse it and forgive it. And thank you for this passage and this lesson that we can learn. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that like Joseph, you're not interested in destroying us. You're just interested in getting to the truth and getting us right with you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.